Are you on track to achieve your financial goals? Income-producing real estate is the most historically proven way to accumulate wealth and has created more financial freedom than any other means. Norada Real Estate provides everything you need to invest in the best turnkey cash flow rental properties. Our simple proven system will help you create real wealth and passive monthly income. Get your free strategy session with our knowledgeable investment counselors at noradarealestate.com. That's N-O-R-A-D-A realestate.com. Welcome to Passive Real Estate Investing, the show where busy people like you learn how to build substantial passive income while creating wealth for the long term. And now, here's your host, Marco Santarelli. Welcome to Passive Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Marco Santarelli. And on today's episode, we have something completely different, something I've never done before. We're actually going to turn the tables around where I have one of our current clients at Norada Real Estate Investments interviewing me. And what he has done is he's um, come up with some questions that uh, that he wanted to have answered, and many have been answered, but he's got questions that he wants to ask because these are the questions that he thinks about, some of the stuff that keeps him up at night. And um, we got talking one day um, down in Florida and even before then, and we got thinking that, geez, if he's got these questions, I'm sure that many other investors have these same questions. So we thought it would be neat for us to just have an interview, but he's the one asking me the questions and I'm just going to answer them as he uh, fires them off at me. So his name is Chris. He's a, a native of Florida and Chris, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. It's good to having you on here and I'm feeling a little awkward about this because I've never been interviewed on my own podcast, so <laughs> it'll be a lot of fun. Um, I guess before we get started, uh, why don't you just take uh, you know a half a minute or a minute or however long you want and just... Uh, you know, give our listeners just a high level introduction to, you know, who you are and what you're doing in terms of real estate investing. Sure, Marco. Thank you. Um, I live in Florida, as you mentioned, in the West Palm Beach area, middle-aged. I work for a corporation in the typical E-quadrant, according to Robert Kiyosaki. My wife and I have three children, and we're at the stage in our lives where we realize that our current investment plan is not really going to get us where we want to be, uh, that being our 401k. We have owned one or two different rental properties over the years, so we've gotten our feet wet. But at this point, we've made the decision to go deep and long and make this our main push and our primary vehicle for financial independence. Wise decision. And um, I, I, I don't want to you know, reveal too much about your financials or, or your personal facts, but I, I mean, just so people know where you're coming from, you do have retirement accounts. You also are vested in the stock market, but you also are investing in real estate. And your goal is to ramp up um, your portfolio size on the real estate side and maybe divest to some degree out of the stock market. Is that a fair assessment? Um, correct. Correct. We... We are looking in terms of you know, passive streams of income. I first read Rich Dad, Poor Dad in the early 2000s, um, you know, kept going at the corporate job. My wife kept going at her career. And you know, we pretty much just continued on that path in spite of believing in the entrepreneurial spirit and dabbling in rental real estate. Now you know, I'm going to turn 50 soon. I'm looking forward 10, 15, 20 years, and I just don't see saving money in a 401k as a real retirement plan. Um, even if you are able to assemble a pretty good chunk of money there, it's just not going to carry you. It's not going to give you the income that you need. So uh, over the past year now, I've been planning and preparing and studying. And uh, we've reached that point now where it's time to accumulate those properties and redirect our investments, redirect some of what we had sitting and do this as strong and as fast as we can. Yeah, yeah. And, and and there was a reason I asked you that, Chris, is because there are a number of people that we are talking to. In fact, I've met with two or three of them just in the last two weeks face-to-face -face for coffee uh, where they're in you know their 40s and 50s. They um, have accumulated a fairly sizable um, uh, chunk of cash or net worth, and they're looking at how can I better position myself to take advantage of the opportunities and increase my cash flow and position myself for greater passive income, whether it's for retirement or not, it's it's really where a lot of people are coming from right now. So even though we work with newbies, you know, people who are just getting started, um, a lot of our clients that are coming to us, you know, over the last 6-12 months are, are professionals that have, 
you know, half a million, a million plus in investable cash. So they're, they're all over the spectrum and they're thinking the same things you are. They're asking the same questions that you are. And so that's what this episode is about is, you know, let's just kind of fire off some of those questions that you think about and ask and have asked. So I guess I'll hand over the mic to you and, uh, you can just ask me whatever you want to ask me. Okay, great. Um, Oh, the first question you probably know a little bit about. I guess it would be an introduction. Uh, a little bit more than we may know from your podcast on your personal background. Um, what did Marco do before Narada? Um, how did Narada come to be? Kind of the backstory behind where you are today. Well, whenever I get asked this question, I never know how far back I really should go. Um, usually where I start off is... Um, I mean, I've, I've been entrepreneurial since I was 13 years old when I taught myself how to code on a computer and started writing um, games that, I mean, I didn't know anything about marketing and sales, but I just know knew that if I came up with a good product, I could sell it. And that was back in the days of Pac-Man. Um, but when I turned 18 and I could qualify for financing, I just wanted to jump in and invest in real estate because I just knew that real estate was a great investment. Uh, You just see it everywhere. You hear it everywhere. People talk about it. People who have wealth, you know, that, 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 you know, they typically have created their wealth in real estate or hold their wealth in real estate. And if that's not the case, then usually it comes out from people who have built a business, uh, not a job, but a business where they have systems, they have the income. Now they're taking that income and guess what, what do they do with it? They put it into real estate. And so knowing that as a teenager, I just jumped into real estate, bought my first property at the age of 18. I fixed it up, leased it, managed it myself, and it was pretty much textbook. Um, but I went on to buy you know, more property and get my real estate license and sell some real estate. And then over the years, on and off, I've been involved with a couple of other uh, ventures and businesses that I was a partner in or that I had just started myself. Some were successful, some not so much. Um Fast forward to, you know, 1999, 2000, you know, in the, in the, uh, you know, the heat of the dot-com craze, um, I was a a third founding partner in a a dot-com business. It was really more offline. It wasn't really a dot-com business, but we were funded by venture capitalists out of um, San Francisco. And because we were were VC funded, um, you know, they considered us a dot-com company and they wanted to take us... um, uh, public if possible, but we had 9.5 million in VC funding. And then, you know, the stock market crashed, the NASDAQ crashed in 2001 and, and everybody's VC capital dried up. So there was no more access to funds. And, um, at that point, I fortunately was in a position where I didn't need to go back into the corporate world or, or get a job. And I decided to just lay back, you know, take a step back and, and just take a couple years off. And I just dabbled with some things. Otherwise I'd be completely bored um, but then in 2003, I got an email from someone that our listeners are, you know, maybe familiar with, and that's Robert, Robert Allen, Robert G. Allen, who had, you know, authored and co-authored about 20 books. He's considered one of the godfathers of nothing down real estate. And, um, you know, in the, in the middle of the summer, I got this email saying that in September of 2003, there was going to be this free two or three day uh, boot camp um, seminar, whatever. Uh, in Orange County, California. And I thought, well, you know, I love real estate. I'm, you know, I've always loved real estate. I'm in real estate and I've got (laughs) nothing better to do. So I went to this, uh, you know, this two or three day event and it was, uh, it was amazing. The content was great. It was really high energy. Um, But the amazing thing was, is that people were whipping out their credit cards, you know, at the end of the first day or at the beginning of the second day. And they were buying these 15 and $25,000 boot camps and and ultimately the price went up to $35,000. So they were going to these events that were four or five or six events in different cities around the US and uh, getting further education. And the interesting thing was is that you still had to pay for your flight accommodation and food on top of the tuition. Now, now I I did go, I signed up and I went and I met hundreds of investors. So that was the uh, greatest thing that came out of that for me. what I learned and the reason I started Norada Real Estate is because people were wanting to invest in real estate. They wanted to educate themselves. They didn't know what they didn't know, so they wanted to learn so they can invest. But the biggest thing was is that in 2004, I started buying up a bunch of property. In fact, over the course of 2004, 2005, I had amassed 
uh, I can't remember if it was 82 or 84 units. So I had bought a lot of property. And uh, investors were coming to me early in 2004 saying, hey, where are you finding these deals? How are you analyzing it? Um, you know, can you help me? Can you coach me? Or can you find me some deals and bring them to me so I can buy them and I'll pay you a fee? And, and so that's really how the company started. And that's a little bit of my personal background. And, and now here we are 13 and a half years later. And, you know, we are one of the largest providers of turnkey rental real estate, you know, in the U.S. Okay, great. Where, where do you see that going over the next five to 10 years? My goal, my vision, and, and this is something I'm actively working on today, is to become the number one largest provider of quality turnkey rental properties in the United States. Um, we are on that trajectory, and I, I have been hiring to help uh, accomplish that vision and, and that, that goal. So I certainly expect to achieve that within the next five years. Um, we are making some inroads right now into China uh, to help you know funnel some of that capital towards the United States. Um, it's it, it's going to come here one way or another. I just want to make it easy for them. Um, but that that is our overall goal. That is my my mission right now is to become a premium quality provider of rental properties for investors, so we can help investors at all levels expand their portfolio and create financial freedom, which ultimately leads to their time freedom. And the problem is, is that there's a lot of education out there, but a lot of people don't know where to get it. And we're not an education company, but I do provide some of that through this podcast and, you know, our blog articles and, and just the, the free consulting that we provide over the phone with investors. Uh, so I want to keep doing that and provide more of that. And I think the, um, you know, the benefit that comes out of all that is, is really just gaining people's trust and loyalty to, to work with us and, and, and to refer their friends and family. Okay, great. Yeah, when I started looking for turnkey properties in different states, I really didn't know where to turn at first. So I went where everyone else would, which is to Google. And that's pretty much how I ended up finding your site and learning about your podcast. Then as I listened to it, I started to understand a lot more, a lot faster about um, the importance of having a team. Um, one of the biggest concerns that I had was how do I manage the property remotely? I'd used property managers even for houses that are local to me, but I'd still have to go buy the house at times. I'd still have to deal with things with my own two hands. So doing that long distance, I, I didn't have my head around it or how to go through a rehab process or really how to do the type of financing necessary to ramp up into a portfolio. So when I realized that that's the main thing that Narada does, it really has the team waiting for you uh, was when I became really excited about it. So, you know, one of the questions that I would have asked you in the beginning is what's the difference between going to Narada and going directly to providers in the market? And the answer is your value add. So I don't know if maybe you could elaborate that on a little bit better than I just did, or what, what does Narada bring to the table for somebody who wants to do this, but really doesn't have a team? There's no rocket science to investing in real estate. It's just a matter of educating yourself and, and gaining that confidence through competence. And and you can anybody can do it on their own if they want to put in the time and energy to learn. But you know, experience is the best teacher. And when you go off and do it on your own, and you, you know, you try to build your own team, sometimes you get knocked down, and you know, you you step on some landmines and and. And hopefully those are not expensive mistakes, but often they are. And I've made, you know, my fair share of mistakes, as many people do. Um, so what, you know, what what we're going to help an investor do is is avoid those landmines. So, you know, you you obviously have have goals, and you you want to get to a certain place financially, and and if you want to do that through real estate, you know, we can be that cons counselor, that advisor, that guide, that can explain the do's the do's and the don'ts. Um, you know, help you select markets, help you select properties and, and what neighborhoods to be in and kind of pull those goals and that criteria out of your head. Those are just some of the value added things that we provide is, is that handholding and guidance. Plus a really big thing is if you're starting off on your own, you're really trying to f identify, you know, the market you want to be in. And, and that involves some research. So, you know, 
we've helped to shortcut that process. So once you've identified a market, now it's a question of who do I work with? So you can start calling up real estate agents and if you're buying a fixer upper, then you're gonna to have to find some competent contractors and same thing with property management. You know, property management is critically important. You live and die by your property manager. So you wanna have the best management company you could possibly have. And sure, you can, you know, call up a bunch of companies and get referrals and try and figure it out on your own. But all the companies that we work with, the team that we have, the people that are, you know, within our network, those are all people that we've worked with for years. They have a history. We know that that history is. And um, so when we recommend someone, 98% of the time, we, you know, we have, uh, you know, a, a high level of confidence in recommending them. We know what you're going to get in terms of service and and results. Um we don't necessarily manage them, but we, you know, keep our finger on the pulse and we know what's happening. And if there are issues that come up, we deal with it. So team is critically important. You said it yourself and, and having the right team um, at every level is important. And we're kind of like that, that lead on that team of people that you work with. So when something goes well, we know about it and we're happy about it. And that's most of the time when something goes sideways, we know about it right away because guess what? You are going to pick up the phone and, and, and call me or call your investment counselor and, and just, or even shoot us an email and just say, Hey, you know, I'm having a communication problem or I'm having this issue or something broke 30 days after you purchased the property. Um, you know, we're there for you. We're, we're always jumping in and helping. So you can go down the path of creating it yourself or you can shortcut that effort. And although it's, I wouldn't say it's a done for you model, it's very much done with you where we've already covered 70 to 80% of it for you. Okay. Yeah, I, I found that to be true. Um, when I first contacted Narada and scheduled the initial appointment with the investment counselor, uh, during that first call, I told them my goal in week one is to identify a market and goal in week two is to you know have the relationship with the property managers there the providers there and then start looking at the houses and we we hit those goals perfectly and went straight into the houses at that point and it was it was good i knew the type of market i wanted but i didn't know which one it was and your investment counselor helped me get there good great thank you all right so um couple of questions a little bit more specifically. I'll ask some that I know the answer to already just because there's probably good questions that a lot of people wouldn't know the answer. But one of the things that I've noticed is sometimes, for example, I'm, I'm, you know, selected an initial market and I'm looking at houses there through your provider. And sometimes I see that they can have a limited number for brief periods of time. They might have just sold several. They might be buying new ones that aren't ready yet. But I'll notice on the MLS or through other websites that there are many other houses available in a market, but the provider only has a small number at a given moment. Um, what are your feelings as far as your clients looking at these other properties? I mean, obviously, they're not through your channel any longer, but what, what do you do to help keep the flow going or to help keep a ready supply? Or, or you know, can you talk a little bit to that temptation someone like me might have to look at a house that's available when I don't find it through your provider. So if you talk to any real estate investor that is not aware that there is a turnkey solution where they can work with a company such as ours to, you know, to have a lot of that inventory already vetted out, you know, through specific builders and providers, other providers in the ground, what most real estate investors think about first and foremost when they're looking for property is that they're going to find it or have to look for it or search for it on the MLS because you know the MLS is just a very very large database of anything and everything that's for sale in the market provided it's not a for sale by owner but everything else is put on the MLS and that's the main tool that keeps realtors employed is because it's an exclusive tool where a seller can list a property for sale on the MLS through a real estate brokerage so People put stuff on there that, you know, covers the entire gamut. You know, there's distressed properties, there's distressed sellers selling their properties, there's high-end properties, there's low-end properties. Uh, you've got stuff that is a complete fixer-upper. You've got stuff that has been newly refurbished and is being, you know, flipped. Uh, you can find all kinds of stuff. So if you have access to the MLS, great. Zillow, Trulia are tools that you could use to, you know, search 
the MLS. I don't know if it shows you everything that's on the MLS, but obviously if you're working with a local real estate agent whom you trust, of course, uh, and understands the investor's mindset and mentality, and you know there's there's chemistry there. If you can work with someone on the ground who ideally is an investor themselves, then you can find properties on the MLS. Now, the question is, is you know where are those properties? So you obviously have to have certain neighborhoods or locations in mind, but also the condition of the property. Now, take all that, compare and contrast that to what we have. We have a far limited. Uh, number of properties that are listed on our website at any given time. It could be anywhere from zero uh, on a bad day to 10 to 20 on a on a really, you know, really good day. Uh, the, they turn over fairly quickly right now because we're just in seller's markets in most markets most of the time. So the big difference is this. Those, those five or seven or 10 properties that you find on our website at any given time, and I'm talking per market, not in total, but per market, those are either properties that are newly built, so that's new construction, or they're newly refurbished, which means that they were a quote-unquote distressed property at one point in time, but, but they've had a scope of work done to it. So that could be twenty to $50,000 in terms of what is being done. Uh, and that's a pretty extensive, that's a pretty heavy uh, renovation. That that would include virtually everything, all the mechanicals, flooring, uh, cabinets, fixtures, uh, roof, um, landscaping, all that stuff. So it is very much like a new home. And that's what you're getting when you work with a turnkey company like ourselves is you're buying something that's either new or like new um, in in specific neighborhoods that meet a certain criteria. So again, MLS is like a shotgun approach. It's got anything and everything, whereas what you find on our website or through our network, because not everything that we have available to investors are are on our website all the time. There are, for example, new construction fourplexes that we have that we uh, don't necessarily have on the website all the time, and we've got other projects that go on. The point is this. What is on our website is investment-grade property that meets a minimum criteria of what should be acquired by our investors to build their portfolios, meaning that they're typically in A or B grade neighborhoods. Uh, they have a positive cash flow. They have um, cash on cash returns um, when fully leveraged of hopefully 10% or more. Um, you know, there's just a criteria that that has to be met. And you don't find that on the MLS because the MLS is just a big pot of everything. You know, I, I can attest to that from what I've seen so far with your providers. I've bought houses, and they're almost always as is. And whatever's discovered in the inspection report is what you're getting. And unless the appraisal has a problem, which, you know, is a whole different story, but just that inspection report, that, that more or less tells me how much money I have to spend on a property to get it to rent ready. Mm -hmm. um, not, not even looking at brand new appliances like a lot of these have. But I can tell you how surprised I was in the first house that I had go into escrow through one of your providers. They were in a hurry to get that inspection report. As soon as the inspector left, they were calling me, asking me to forward it when I got it. As soon as they got the inspection report, I, I received an email back saying, we're all over this list and we'll send you photographs of everything when it was done. There was nothing seriously wrong couple of outlets here, little small things like that, but they they couldn't have been more eager to knock everything down on that inspection report. So the, the little bit that they missed during rehab was immediately taken care of. And now that house is scheduled to close in less than two weeks. So I, I'm really happy. I feel when I'm looking at your properties and dealing with your providers that I know that I'm going to get a good quality house. And I know that whatever's on that inspection report is going to get resolved also. Yeah, the idea is that that you're going to get taken care of. You're the priority. You're not just any buyer. You're our client, and we want to look out for you and take care of you. But the uh, the the companies, the service providers that we work with in each market, feel the same way. They know that you, as an investor, as a client, are probably not purchasing just one property. You're probably going to be buying one after another after another to build up a portfolio, and you're going to be a long-term client on the property management side. So it's important for everybody that you're taking care of now and tomorrow. Um, that's a good example that you just mentioned. I didn't know about that until today, obviously. Um, but um, but that's not an uncommon scenario. What you just described, that experience, is actually a fairly common experience. And if it's not, guess what? We find out about it and we, you know, 
have conversations with the people that we work with and make sure that everybody is working in your best interest. I, I couldn't be more happy. We actually have three houses in escrow with that same provider all scheduled over the next few weeks. And they're they're just doing great. You know, they're doing good work. The houses are fantastic. We actually went and visited them and looked, walked into the first house and couldn't believe the quality. And, you know, once we did a little bit more studying, we took that one. And the next two that we put under contract, we haven't been inside of but we have total confidence. And again, the inspection reports are coming back strong. Uh, the appraisals are coming back on. So we're, we're very, very happy. And I can tell that they're eager to please us because we came through Norada. And that's, that's a big difference compared to going through the MLS, I guess. Yeah. Is they want to make your clients happy. Nice. Yeah. Thank you. So, good, good. Well, one of the things and kind of related to this, it, this last answer almost answers the next question. I pay a lot of attention to recent sale prices and current listings. Um, you know, it's a good idea not to overpay for something in the big debate about turnkey versus buying, rehabbing, and holding it yourself. Part of that whole debate is in you're trying to get a house with more equity at the end of the day. You're trying to get your overall price lower. Personally, I have a job and I'm not going to travel around. Uh, I actually do a lot of construction management in my job, so I know that I don't want to do it at night or on the weekends when I can't be there and talk to people directly. So I am happy to pay the full fair market price for a house that's been completely rehabbed. I, that, when I look at houses sometimes, for example, if I'm looking at a type of house that's in the eighty dollars to $100,000 range, in the MLS, then I think it would be right to pay $100,000 for that fully rehabbed house, if not a tiny bit more, because most of what's in the MLS is not rehabbed. Some of it's in bad shape. Some of it needs a lot of money. But can you talk a little bit to why it's a good idea for an investor like me, somebody who's working a lot of hours and who doesn't have the capacity for that type of management, how we should be looking at when we see lower priced houses in the same neighborhood? Well, I think the answer is pretty simple. The market value of a property is based on comparable properties in the area, but it's always adjusted for the condition. So you if you have three identical properties on the same street and one has been newly refurbished, you know, it's it's one of our turnkey properties. Another one is dated, um, the mechanicals might be 5, 10 years old or or longer and one that's a complete, you know, fixer upper, they're not going to be the same price, even though they're the same square footage, same floor plan, same street, same block, they're going to be different prices. So a huge factor is the condition. However, you know, when you're purchasing a turnkey property or anything that's completely refurbished, even if you did it yourself, you bought a, you know, a distressed property and you fixed it up yourself. At the end of the day, when that appraiser goes out eight times out of 10, they're going to come back with an appraisal that is reflecting the true market value of that property based on comparable properties, things that are comparable. And if there aren't exact matches, the appraiser's job, and this is what they're trained to do, is to take those, take the subject property and compare it to three to five comparable properties, the best comparables that they can find in, you know, ideally a half mile radius. And they're going to make adjustments to those comparables based on condition, you know, whether it be the roof, the mechanicals, the kitchen, um, whatever needs to be adjusted. And so the price that you see is it should be eight times out of 10, what the true market value is of that property. Now, um, does that mean you're overpaying? You're not because eight times out of 10, that appraisal will come back pretty darn close to, you know, what the, uh, the asking or list price is that you see on our website. And we don't, you know, we don't control those. Those are not determined by us. Um, if that price needs to be adjusted down, it, it can and, and often will be because of the appraisal. Um, but they're priced at fair market value. Sometimes they're at market value. Sometimes they're a little bit below. But it's pretty rare that you're paying over. In fact, I say pretty rare. It's almost never. Um, now, I mentioned eight, eight times out of 10 twice. The other two times, those appraisals will either come back um, above the uh, you know the the contract price or the purchase price that you have, and one times out of ten it'll come back much lower. I'm not talking like one or two thousand. I mean it'll be a measurable amount, and 
often that's because it was a bad appraisal. You know, you have a, a, a lazy appraiser or just someone who didn't know what he was doing. And we have to contest that and pull comps or do a, a BPO, a broker's price opinion, just to cross check and, and reference, you know, those, those comparables. I'll make one other comment. You know, the, the, the prices today are pretty much near market value and they sell, they sell fairly quickly. Sometimes properties will sell before they even hit our website because we know what a client like yourself will want. We know it's coming down the pipe. We earmark it and it never, it never shows its face, you know, on our website. Uh, other times they'll sit around for a few weeks, but everything is selling because we are seeing a lot of velocity in terms of sales and all the markets that we're in. In fact, most of the markets around the country are are very active right now. We're for the most part in a seller's market. So they are turning. That means that there's little to no you know, wiggle room on that price. Will we ask for you? Sure. If it comes up, there's no problem. Um, but we know that the builders and the providers that we work with can sell that property all day long. And if it's not to you, it's going to be to someone else. That wasn't the story three, four years ago when we were more in, in a slower market, a buyer's market where you had more control um, or more, more influence as a buyer. That's not the case today. So anyway, I, I'm, I'm going off on a tangent, but hopefully that answers your question. No, I, I think I partially answered it myself as I was asking. It. Okay. <laughs> Good. And you're you're 100% on that. The third property that we put under contract, the provider called us. I don't think that made it to your website. So, oh, okay. You know, you know, as soon as they had uh, won that at an auction, they immediately sent us, I think they had an initial picture, and after we put it under contract, they started the rehab. But obviously the contract had everything contingent upon that inspection after rehab. So we had all the safety we needed. That's a good example, by the way, of, of you know, once we get into your head and we understand what your investment goals are and, and you know, we start to identify a roadmap and break that into a criteria, you know, when we know the market, the, the neighborhood, the property type, um, you know, the price point or price range, uh, the types of cash flow you're looking for, once we identify that, we work off that criteria. And so when we see a property come along that meets that criteria, uh, we can just simply contact you. One of us will contact you and uh, let you know about the property that's coming up. So it may not hit our website. And, and in your case, that third one never did. So, yeah. Well, Marco, look, I'm enthusiastic. I'm excited. I feel like, you know, I got a lifeboat here uh, as far as retirement or financial freedom is concerned. But one of the things that I have to scratch my head about a little bit is the model you have of selling these properties out to the public and educating people to do this. I'm glad you do it, but I'd like to understand a little bit about why you don't just buy all of these. In other words, you've, you've got the partners, you know, you're obviously making a profit by these partners selling these to your clients, but how come you don't just syndicate and you know, do what Blackstone did and buy thousands and thousands of houses and, and hold them long term or you know, even without syndication just yourself? Why is it that you take it in a retail capacity like this? <clears throat> I find this to be a bit of a funny question because I get asked this from time to time. Not often, but occasionally. And the answer is this. Me personally, do I invest? Yes. In fact, I'm in escrow right now on three properties in Kansas City. So I'm you know, scheduled to close later this month. So do I invest myself? Sure. But we have hundreds of properties that come through our business. Do I have the capacity or the capability or, or, or the desire to acquire all of those properties? Absolutely not. I mean, not only do I not have the capacity, but not all of them meet my specific criteria, my personal criteria, my investment criteria. And even if it did, you know, we're comparing an apple to an orange. You know, the apple is me as an individual investor investing. That's what I like to do. And I will do that. And do I cherry pick some of the properties? Sure. I look at the properties and, you know, when I see something I really like that meets my criteria, guess what? If I like it enough and I'm looking for another property, guess what? I'm going to put it under contract, take it off the website. I'll buy it myself. But our business is here to help guys like you, you know, whether it's someone who is seasoned or someone who's just getting started or anybody in between. The reason I started this is because I recognize that other people needed help. And again, it's not just about the education. We're not an education company, although, you know, we provide that. It's that people need help and a team and resources to be able to do it on their own, especially people who are time strapped. You know, people want to invest, but they don't want to roll up their sleeves and do the heavy lifting. So, they have a career, they have a family, they have obligations, 
and they they want to do something they need the help and we're we're here to help them you know and there's no cost there's no fee from us to them and and that's our business model so i guess that's a long answer to your question but at the end of the day we're here to provide the same opportunities that we take advantage of as investors and we've created a business around it and the business is to help you build that portfolio yeah i i think that that philanthropic approach comes to a lot of people as they've reached more success and evolved further in their business where they just have a desire to give back. And I, I kind of sense that in what you're doing. Yeah. I mean, there's certainly a financial aspect to it. I mean, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't necessarily be doing all of this work for free because I work long days and I typically work seven days a week, although I wouldn't say I'm working, you know, 12 to 16 hours every day. I, I want to take some time off as well. But think about this. I mean, at the end of the day, if I can look back and, and, and see how I've been able to help people, you know, with their financial freedom, providing them time freedom, showing them a, a, an option or an opportunity to improve their lifestyle, I guess is what I'm, I'm trying to say. That's a pretty good legacy. I, I wouldn't say that was my primary driver in the beginning. It, it has become more of a driver as time has gone on because I re- recognize that I do talk to a lot of people and we, you know, all our investment counselors, we talk to a lot of investors. We touch a lot of people's lives. We, I'd say we help 99% of the people that we talk to. And um, I think that's a pretty good feeling. So if I can help a thousand people, 10,000 people improve their lives, then, you know, that's, that's a pretty darn good thing. It's like Zig Ziglar says, you know, if you, you can get everything you want in life, if you help enough other people get what they want. So I find that to be true. I, I agree. I, I feel the same thing. I feel like I need to talk to some of my relatives and some of my coworkers and say, "Look what I found," you know, and, and help people get off of that that you know crash course they're on. Yeah, and I, I don't know if this is something you want to talk about, um, but real brief, you know, a lot of people don't understand. I mean, everybody knows what real estate is, but they don't understand it as far as an investment. And a lot of people seem to think that real estate investing is, you know, buying an ugly house and, and you know, fixing it up and buying a bunch of lumber and hammers and doing work on the weekends to fix a property. Sure, you could do that, but you're creating another job for yourself. That's the active way to invest. The passive way to invest is to, buy these turnkey properties, the done for you properties, and just build a portfolio and and just do as much of that as you possibly can as fast as you can. People who are watching these, you know, these shows on TV, whether it's, you know, flip or flop or, you know, flip this house, those, those can be a little deceiving. And then on top of that, you know, so many people that follow the mainstream media and listen to the news, uh, follow financial news, I hate to say it, but they're brainwashed into thinking that investing has to do with stocks, bonds, and mutual funds. And the reality is, is that real estate is far more common and far more lucrative and safe, in my opinion, than a lot of these paper assets that are out there. So I think through education, we let people know that this other option exists. And it's, I don't consider this the alternative investment. To me, investing on Wall Street is the alternative. This is the tried and true, most historically proven investment class or asset class. No, I, I agree. I've had a couple of rental properties for the past 17 years, never more than five at once, though. But um, the dive I'm taking now, Marco, it's because what it really comes down to is this is safer. And this is where I have more control. I, I cannot predict what's going to happen in the stock market from one day to the next. Nobody can. Um, you know, if you think that you can predict what's going to go on in the boardroom of your own employer, good luck with that. I work for a company that's owned by private equity. They're in board meetings today, and I'd love to know what they're deciding on our future. And that's that's a place where I spend a lot of time. So the, the pure speculation behind stocks and mutual funds and bonds and things like that, I, I prefer the real estate where I can decide on what's the rent going to be, and I can pick the house myself, and I can really – it comes down to the more I can control, the more I can manage – but it's not like you said, where it's a job, it's portfolio management. I, I like the feeling of saying, okay, I've got this many, now let's go add another one to the collection. And it's fun to go looking for that and to crunch those numbers and call up the property manager and confirm that the lease expectations are accurate. And uh, you know, I enjoy doing that a lot more. I look at this as something that I'm going to give to my kids one day. 
Um, I try to look at every house with the Warren Buffett mentality of don't buy a stock unless you want to own it for the rest of your life. That's how I look at each of these properties. That's not to say that I don't know where the exit is and I don't have an emergency exit plan, but the investment approach is very long-term, very slow, um, methodical, boring, and I, I want to put my energy into making the higher level decisions when those monthly reports come out and into looking for the next properties. And in doing that, that's where I see this as passive income ramping up over the next five to 10 years, replacing my active income as that time goes by. Yep. So, well, one of the questions I have right you know, directly related to that is, you know, for me, on, on the numbers that I use just as a rough guide estimate initially, and these aren't going to be correct for every market or every person, but I look at each house as being approximately $25,000 to get into, and that's because there's some reserve funds and closing costs, and it depends on the price of the house. And with a minimum cash on cash, that would be $250 a month, so $3,000 a year on each of those properties. So as a rule of thumb, you could say 10 properties would be approximately $3,000 a month. And when I look at that and I say, okay, with that metric, it's easy to start figuring out how many properties I need to own to work less hours or for me or my spouse to stop working while the other continues. How much time do you think a person could truly expect to spend in order to build up a portfolio of, say, 10 houses or 20 houses over the couple of years? In other words, if I were to say I want to buy 10 houses over the next 12 months, two markets, five houses in each market, what, what do you think would be a realistic amount of time that I would need to spend like on a weekly or monthly basis to do that? So, okay, just to be clear, you're talking about the acquisition, not the management of those properties. Correct, correct. My, my role here where I'm, I'm looking at the properties. Well, if you're working with us, it's interesting. Some investors know exactly what they want. And, you know, within two phone calls, they're already shortlisting three properties and putting one under contract. And that could be literally three to five hours, you know, maybe two phone calls of one hour each. And then, you know, some, some due diligence and emailing on the side and, um, it, you, you get there pretty quick. Other people need a, a little more, uh, a little more time. They, they're, you know, they have to think things through and do a little more research and, you know, they, they, they just take it at their own pace. There's no rush. You know, you, you go at the speed you want to go, but I would imagine that, with our investment counselors and investors probably having anywhere from one to five phone calls and then, you know, a slew of emails back and forth, just depending on how many questions they have. And hopefully I'm answering your question, but it could be, you know, anywhere from one to 10 hours uh, per property. But as time goes on, the amount of time goes down more and more because we have an understanding of who you are and what your investment goals are and your criteria. And so it becomes much, much, much easier to identify those properties and continue building that portfolio. Um, I guess the short answer is it doesn't take as long as most people think because we have a lot of the the tools and the information available you know through our website through the emails that we send you putting you in contact with our team members on on the ground um once you decide to move forward the things unfold fairly rapidly and quite literally it's a, it's a checklist you know it's a two-page checklist i've created you can just literally follow it step by step yeah okay it just it just helps to know how to budget time for you know that person who's just getting started and they're they're a little bit worried that this might take too much of their time after work. Um, so I, I have a question here, which is not for myself, but maybe for some people that would be listening. Which is, you know, if if a person gets to the point where they decide, okay, I want to do this, they've studied, they've educated themselves, they feel like they're mentally prepared and they're ready. And you know their personal financial statement warrants this, and they've got the funds together for their first property. But for some reason or another, they're just hesitating to pull that trigger. You know, what do you say to a person in that position? Fast forward yourself ten years and twenty years down the road, and look back and ask yourself, where are you going to be in ten years, and where are you going to be in twenty years? If you're going to be in the same place that you are today, and you're not happy with that position, that situation, that that lifestyle that you have, then you need to take action because you're, you know, to borrow from uh, Tony Robbins, and, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but your future and your destiny is shaped in the moments of decision that you make. So you need to make that decision to make those changes that will impact and affect your future and your family's future and your heirs. 
So when you start to ask the question why you're doing something, then the decisions become much, much easier to make. Because if you realize that you're doing this to improve your lifestyle, to increase your financial freedom, to make sure you have a comfortable retirement, to have time freedom to spend with your family, to travel, uh, so your kids can inherit or participate or share in what you've achieved and what you've accumulated. Those are all the whys. And if you think about the whys and you you look down 5, 10, 20 years, in other words, you know, you're, you're, I think they call it future casting, but if you look at your life as if you were standing 10, 20 years down the road looking back, what does it look like? And hopefully that's enough to motivate people to take action and, and really do something. Because there are a lot of people who are smart and they educate themselves. They take the time. They spend the money, sometimes tens of thousands of dollars to educate themselves on investing and real estate investing. Um, they have the capacity. They have the credit. They, you know, they have what it takes to make it happen. But then they don't take action or they take action very slowly or they talk themselves out of it because they, they get into the trap of analysis paralysis. Well, whose fault is that? It's, it's not because you didn't have the cash, the credit, the education. It's because you are not taking the next step. You are not pulling the trigger. Yeah, yeah I agree. And my, um, my thought is buy a house. You know, if somebody says to me, what do you suggest I do? Well, are you ready? Are you educated? Do you have the, the pieces in place? Then buy a house. It's just that simple. If you already have some, buy one more. If you don't, buy the first one. But I think that after you get that that car moving for the first few inches, it's a lot easier to keep pushing it. And um, that that's really where I've been. I mean, I, I think that you spoke a few minutes ago to that person who starts very slow. I, I basically did that. And I wish I had gone faster and I wish that I'd dug in sooner. But um, at this point, it's just going to be to keep taking them down as as fast as reasonably possible. It's like you said, five years ahead, 10 years ahead, 20 years ahead. Every time I have a three or four day weekend and I wake up to go to work that next day, I'm thinking I need to get done. You know, that my, it's, it's so motivating to me to take a week off. I just think I want to retire. And I don't mean retire in, into idleness. I mean into that discretionary time to have that more free time. I'll never stop working entirely. I, I like doing this, but you know, to not have to go to that job where I'd rather not go in those clothes and, and the commute and, you know, the 5-2 cycle every single week, I'd, I'd rather have that freedom and that discretionary time. And that's what motivates me to do this. And every time there's a, a Friday or a Monday off, I cannot not think about when that day comes. So that, that's the reason for the action we're doing now. Yeah, and, and you'll find that you'll build momentum. And this is one of those exciting things. Like, there's just so many things I want to say. I don't even know where to begin. But if you if, if you need to get started, get started. You know, buy that first property or buy the next property. The thing is, is if you, if you just focus on that one property, that single family home, it's not that hard. You go through the process, you look back and you realize, oh, that wasn't too difficult. It, it was pretty easy. And then, you know, for most people, they start to get the bug. They've realized that, geez, that wasn't so bad. Um, that was actually kind of fun. It's exciting. I've just added a property to my portfolio, whether it's the first or the hundredth. And, you know, there's a little more income coming in every month and you've got those tax benefits. And now you've, you've planted another seed to help grow that wealth as the years go by where that equity grows through amortization and through appreciation. And look, you know, even if you buy five properties right off the bat, you know, the first year is not too exciting. Yeah. There's some cash flow coming in. You got some tax benefits. That's all great, great, great stuff. But it's when you start to look back after three years and five years and you realize, geez, you know, I've, I've actually made X number of dollars. I made this much of a return and, and, you know, my net worth has grown by X number of dollars. And now you can start to magnify that because you start to reinvest that cash flow that you've received from the property. And maybe you can equity strip from some of those properties and, and build your portfolio faster and things to start accelerating after five years and after 10 years. So it's just getting started. And what's the worst that can happen? Well, you know, maybe this is not for you. And so you take that single family home and a year from now you decide to sell it. You know, maybe you break even, maybe you take a slight loss, but you know, at least you've had a great experience or a learning experience. And, um, you know, you've, you've proven to yourself that this is something for you or something that is not for you. So you could always step back. I mean, the worst case scenario is not all that bad. If you just think about it for a minute. 
No, it, it would be a little difficult to lose money if you sold even within the first few years. I mean, when you look at the cash flow coming through, it, 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 the full ROI happens very, very quickly on these. And that's including with the mortgage amortization and everything. But I'll tell you, having bought and rented and sold a number of houses, not too many, still under 10 right now, but it, it was mind-blowing to me when I started working with your provider. The, the very first property, I, I looked at the pro forma, and for example, it had the rent at $900 a month. And I asked them, this was on an $80,000 house. And we don't get those rates in Florida, by the way. So when I asked, is this $900, is this reasonable? The person showing us the house smiled and said, I actually just signed the tenant for 950 I try to be conservative on the pro formas. And that blew my mind. So on the second house that we put under contract, uh, when the inspector showed up, unbeknownst to me, that there was already a tenant in there. They had signed that tenant, put them in, they'd moved in. This was on May 1st, and we, we had no idea that they had already put a tenant into the house that we had under contract. I, I couldn't be happier. That kind of thing just doesn't happen when you're doing this all on your own. So I have, you know, those first two properties are cash flowing before closing. Well, obviously not to us, but they'll be cash flowing the morning after we wake up, the day after the close. So I'm very excited about this, and I can see how this is going to go well. I, I don't have a lot of fear or concern as far as how it's going to play out, and I think that that confidence just comes from from education and from from you know realistic expectations. Where you know, this is not pioneering, this is not a brand new business model that we invented recently. This is an old standard. You know, common way of, of building this passive income. And, it, and it's like we said to each other earlier, it seems more reasonable and safe and something that's easier to control than, than a pure speculation play in the stock market. Yeah, it's, you have far more control. You have a much greater total return on investment than any other investment, short of obviously having a successful business. But that's not for everybody. Not everybody wants to start a business, own a business, run a business. Um, so what do you do? And, and besides, that's an active way to be, an investor, um, but short of that, the next best thing is what? It's it's income producing rental real estate. You go to work at your job and you funnel as much funds as you can into your investment quadrant. And that is exactly our strategy. We will continue to buy these houses as quickly as we can and divert funds that we can to them. And I, I look forward to working with you and growing this portfolio and uh, I'm enjoying the partnership. Well, I, I appreciate that. Thank you. Nothing on this show should be considered specific personal or professional advice. Please consult an appropriate legal, tax, real estate, or business professional for individualized advice. For distribution or publication rights and media interviews, please contact the host.